Let's get into it this morning. We've got some good stuff to tackle this morning. I'll ask you a question first. Anybody get to the grocery store at all this week? Quite a few of you. How about the gas station? Anybody fill up with gas? Quite a few others. How about school or job? Anybody get to school or job? Okay, I think that's everybody in the room, right? Imagine, if you will, with me that you went to the grocery store this week. As you're pulling in, somebody was in front of you in the parking lot and took your space, which already kind of frustrated you. You kind of mutter some things under your breath and drive around, find another spot. You go into the store, and as you're going into the store, your mind's already going through the things you need to get and what needs to happen after, and your schedule is packed. And you kind of walk right by the sign that's posted in the door for the contest that's happening. You go and get your supplies, you get to the checkout lane, and you're trying to hurry to get through, but the person in front of you is paying with a check. How dare they, right? For those that are 30 and younger, a check is like Venmo, only paper. (laughs) And they're sitting there balancing their checkbook while they're waiting to get out of the line. So you get up frustrated with the cashier. You go through the line. As you walk out and you go home that night and you're watching the news, you realize that that grocery store comes up on the news. That contest was there. Those signs that were posted by the door were opportunity to win. All you had to do, going through that checkout lane, was to say a couple things, and you would receive a brand new car. And you missed it. Not only that, they continued to talk. There was opportunities at your work. Another contest. You missed it. At the gas station, you missed it. Your job, school, you missed them all. You went through every opportunity, and you didn't take one of them. What if there was something more significant than a brand new car this week? What if this week had tons of opportunities and you missed them? Every single one of them. So we want to talk about this morning. Before we get into it, let's pray. God, thank you for the chance to open your word. God, we pray that your word would be clear this morning. You would eliminate any distractions and that your spirit would open our hearts to hear from you. God, we want to receive your words to us. We want to hear them and we want to act on them. We need your power to do all of that. So God, we pray that you give us tender hearts and hearts ready for action. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're in Colossians chapter 4 this morning. We're almost ready to wrap up this book. Before we finish out, Paul's got a couple really important things that he wants to cover over these next two weeks. We've went from all of this incredible super knowledge about Christ and who he is and all that he is and what that means in our lives into some practical application as Brian walked us through. What's that mean in our work? What's that mean in our families, in our homes? How does this play out? And Paul is going to continue to turn that corner this morning and say, with everything you have in Christ, what are you going to do with it? All of this is not meant to be hoarded. It's meant to be shared. And there's going to be tons of opportunities. So that's where we find ourselves in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. And he says this, Devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. He uses this word, devote yourself. Or maybe your translation says, continue steadfastly. It's the idea that suggesting our sincere passion along with deliberate purpose. In other words, it's heartfelt conviction with continuous prayer. So why? Why be continuous in our prayer? What's what's up with that? Is it because we're like some annoying toddler that has to somehow wear God down so that he'll listen to us 
and get off his phone and pay attention to what we're saying. That's not it. Is it because God's obstinate and, and we somehow have to keep asking and asking to somehow break him down so we'll listen? No, that's not it. Scripture tells us that God loves to hear our prayers. Scripture tells us that our prayers are sweet incense to him. So could it be that in praying, prayer actually does something to us in the process as well? I suggest a couple things I think prayer really does in our lives as we continue steadfastly in prayer. First thing, I think it really, it maybe at times, is used to build our faith. To show us all that God can do as we talk about the impossible things that we see. And only God could do this. I think he uses prayer to build our faith. At other times, I think he uses prayer to prepare us for the answer that he's going to give because it's not the answer we're expecting. I think prayer is a part of that process in our lives for that. I think other times we continue steadfastly in prayer because he's going to use us as the answer to that prayer. And we're just expecting an immediate answer from somewhere else. Paul says, continue in prayer. Now, I went this week and I looked up all sorts of stats about how much the church in America prays. Or maybe I should say about how little the church in America prays. And I could read those to you, but they don't really matter. You know why? Because what matters is how much we pray in this room. So the question that I'd better ask is, are you continuously praying with God? Are you devoting yourself to prayer. This is an imperative statement that Paul has given us. It's not just something nice we're going to say, like bless you to someone or thoughts and prayers. There's actually something that impacts when we pray. Church, imagine if we could understand the impact that prayer has. Imagine if prayer would become as normative to us as breathing. As this ever-present God walks with us through the day, what if we could have an ongoing, constant communication and dialogue with this God? Imagine how that would change your days. I've read this quote a million times in this church, and I'm going to keep reading it. Because I want it not just to be something we know, I want it something that lands in our hearts. from Oswald Chambers, and he says this, Every time we pray, our horizon is altered. Our attitude to things is altered, not just sometimes, but every time, the amazing thing is that we don't pray more. So church, first question I have for you is, are you continuous in prayer? Are you walking with God in prayer? Not only that, but he says being watchful, or he says keeping alert in it. So as we're praying, this is the time where we should pray with our eyes open. We're watching to see what God could do in and through the process. If, if I were a weather forecaster on prayer, I would say there's a 100% chance that God is at work in it. So we're praying with a posture of activeness and readiness to see how he's working and join him in it. But it's sure easy to get distracted, in, isn't it, in that? Prayer helps fix our eyes and focus our eyes on what God's doing. You ever gotten a new car or a new car to you or a new haircut? And the second you get in that car and you're driving around town, you start to notice there are tons of people driving that same model of car. Anybody ever had that? You go, what? I've never seen this car before now. And now everybody's driving it. Something's changed. Your perspective has changed. And now you're looking for that thing. Prayer does that in our lives. It changes our perspective. It allows us to be watchful. 
So before we go try and talk to people about God, we should go talk to God about people. So the question I have for you this morning is, who are you praying for? Over the years in my family, we've made a practice of praying for other people. So we've made different lists and Uh, There's been a lot of different people that have come on our list or different things from that list. In fact, over the past uh, past year, two people that have been on our list have trusted Christ as their Savior. But over the years, it's been different people. At one point, it was a father from Sudan that I got to connect with as he was learning English. Other times, it's names that my kids come home from school talking about. Or at other points, it's been a new family that moved to our block from out of state. Sometimes it's, it's been a young girl at the grocery store that my wife intentionally would go to every time to, t- to check out so she could continue a conversation. And God was opening something in that. Sometimes it's been uh, kids on our kids' sports teams and then their families and their parents as we've gotten to know them. And as we are intentional with prayer, we notice opportunities pop up. So we, we would make lists and we'd put them on our refrigerator and ask if anything's happening in those relationships that we're praying about after dinner. Sometimes for me, the best thing is to make a list on my phone because I can pull it up. I can put information in as I'm learning about it. We've made a map of our neighborhood before and wrote neighbors' names down. We even wrote their dogs' names down on this map. So as we're walking around, we could greet them by name. We could say hi to Fido as well, looking to advance opportunities for a chance to share about God that has transformed us so much. In fact, one point when my son was in middle school, we were noticing this young mom that would come walking by our house every morning, walking her kids to school. And it would get later in the year, as it is similar to now, and they would continue walking to school every morning. It would be cold. We're kind of praying about who are the people that God's bringing across our path. Literally, God's bringing this person across our path, our sidewalk in front of our house. So we just start praying. So we're looking for opportunities. God opens the door for us to give a couple rides when it's really cold. We start praying for an opportunity for transportation. And we start praying for this young mom and her kids. Actually, one morning, my son and I were out to breakfast with another person. We're telling them about this person we're praying for. Before we finish breakfast, we pray all together and we pray for this person. We get in the car and drive my son to middle school. And as we cross over the street, we see this gas station. And this woman walk out carrying a jug of milk. I said, hey, Asher, look over. Check out who it is. He looks over, and it's that woman that we had just prayed for. He said, what? What? No way. He couldn't believe the way that God had just provided an opportunity for us to see her right there yet again. When we pray, it changes our perspective. So I wonder, who are you praying about? He doesn't stop there. He says, devote yourselves to prayer, keeping alert in it with an attitude of thanksgiving. Why an attitude of thanksgiving? Why be thankful? Because the answers to our prayers may not always be the answers we are hoping for or the answers we are expecting. They may come in ways that we wouldn't say we're we're grateful that they're being answered in that way. Paul has journeyed around sharing the gospel all the while, looking for opportunities. Where does that land him? In prison. But Paul realizes Rome didn't put him in prison. God has provided an opportunity in prison. Paul's posture and his attitude of thanksgiving has changed everything. Sometimes the best opportunities to soften a hardened heart for the opportunity for the gospel is through hardship. Something in the midst of pain at times that can open the door for a chance to share about the hope that we have. Now, I'm not saying to pray for hardship 
I'm not saying that we look to try and get into difficult situations, but what I am saying is when they come, are we prepared? Are we ready to look for an opportunity to share the hope of the gospel? Because it may come in a hospital room. It may come through the loss of a job. It may come in the midst of a difficult situation. It may come in the death of a dream. That's why Jesus taught us to pray, Father, your will be done. Not my will be done. Our perspective changes to what God's doing and joining him in it. 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says this. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. As we watch God answer prayers, we graciously accept what he's doing and look to join him in the process. Who's to say the difficult situation you might be right now in is not the best spot to give you the best chance to share the hope that you have in Jesus? Who's to say that the difficult spot you're in is maybe not the spot that would shine and show Jesus the best? That's what he reminds us to be thankful. And he goes on to spell that out even more in verse 3. Praying at the same time for us as well that God would open a door for us. Or praying that God would open up to us a door for the word. Open doors. As Christians, we love open door terminology, don't we? When God closes a door, he opens a window, right? But for us, as we talk about open doors, have you ever noticed this? It's so me-centric. I'm praying for an open door in my job. Why, to share the gospel? No, so I advance in a position. Or I'm praying for an open door into this program. Or I'm praying for an open door for some kind of career change. There's nothing wrong with praying for that. But the most majority of our stuff is focused on me, not what God might be doing through me or the open doors he has. In fact, if you go through and you look through terminology with open doors throughout the New Testament, you find it's always about what God's doing, the way that he's at work. 1 Corinthians 16, verse 8 and 9 says, But I will remain in, <coughs> excuse me, I'll remain in Ephesus until Pentecost, for a wide door for effective service has opened to me. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12 says this, Now I came to Troas for the gospel of Christ, and when a door was opened to me in the Lord. He goes on to talk about what happened there. Why did he come? To share the gospel. Because God had opened a door. In fact, in Revelation chapter 3, verse 8, when talking about it is God that opens the door, he says this, Behold, I have put before you an open door which no one can shut. When we talk about open doors, it's always about what God is doing. It's focused on God and the work he's doing and the way that we can join him in that work. That's why John 6, tells us that God is the one who pursues and God is the one that draws people to himself. He just invites us to join him in that. It's not like we have to be going all Chuck Norris and busting down doors and making people listen to the gospel. Instead, we're prayerful, and we're watchful, and we're grateful when God opens a door to step in and join him and use the opportunities that he provides. Think of a very vivid story of an open door that happened earlier this year in our life. My wife, for, uh, when she was in high school, through a friend and through a friend inviting her to youth group, heard about the gospel and chose to put her trust and faith in Jesus Christ, and that radically transformed her life. 
And at that point on from high school, she started praying that her family too would experience this radical transformation of Jesus and what he had done, the hope he had given her. She started praying for her dad. Her dad didn't really want to hear anything about it. And later on in college, she met this other guy named Josh, and he was a pastor, and we got married. So obviously her dad was going to hear more about this Jesus too. And so we had conversations over the years. We talked about Jesus, but there was never really an openness to it. In fact, there was kind of more of a desire not to talk much about it at all. About four years ago, her dad ended up in the hospital. Extreme situation, and we were praying. We didn't think he'd come out of the hospital at that point. Praying for an opportunity to share the gospel. Praying that he trusts Christ. Didn't want to hear it. Remarkably, somehow through this, he, he starts getting better. The doctors release him. He goes home. Starts to, health starts to increase. And for a little while, continued on really well. But then started to decline back. And over the last couple of years, his health has been declining over and over and over again. Earlier this year, I got a call that he had been found unconscious in his home. The uh, ambulances were coming. We, we went there immediately and then to the hospital. Started talking with the doctors and the doctors said, this is not good. He wasn't responsive. There was nothing that was looking really good in the situation. We started praying very specifically for two things. Another chance to share the gospel and that he would be open to hearing it, receiving Jesus Christ. That somehow he'd become responsive enough so that Julie and her two brothers could say goodbye before he passed away. For five days, in and out of the hospital waiting, no responsiveness. That Friday... My wife's in the hospital, and somehow, remarkably, he opens his eyes. He's hooked up to all these machines and tubes, but he starts trying to communicate. My wife starts talking to him. She, she starts saying, Dad, this is kind of the situation where we're at. This is what's happening. She said, I want to talk to you about Jesus. He said, no, I don't want to talk about that. Imagine a lifelong crushing moment. We get the opportunity, and yet he doesn't want to hear my wife actually had to leave that morning to go to her uncle's funeral. So she was leaving. She said, Dad, I'm going to be back. Josh is coming. You know what he's going to talk to you about. <laughs> and I remember driving over in my car. I remember praying, God, I don't know what to say. I don't have the words. I don't know what to do. You have to do something through me. I get in the room and start talking to him. And I don't know why I use this phrase. I've never used this phrase. I would never again use this phrase. But in that moment, I just had this thing pop into my mind, and I started talking to Jim, and I, I said, Jim, have you made peace with God? He looked over at me and goes, that's a serious question. I said, Jim, we are in a serious moment. Started talking about the spot he was in with his health, what the doctors were saying, and about the gospel. In the midst of that, a nurse came in and started doing some procedures and checks, and Conversation kind of got derailed, and I thought maybe that was it. Later on, kind of get the checks done, and he looks back over me and says, Josh, I haven't been very good at being religious. I realized that whole time he's been sitting there thinking about it, mulling it over. I said, Jim, that's great because none of us are. I'm not good at being religious. That's why Jesus came, because none of us will ever be good enough. There's nothing we can do on our own to receive salvation. It's what he's done and provided for us. We simply need to trust him and believe. We talked a little bit more, and he looked over at me. He, 
You gotta, gotta know, this is a guy that loves history. He's read parts of the Bible just because he wants to know the historical things. But putting your faith in who Jesus is, everything we've talked about in the beginning of Colossians, that takes a lot of trust. So he said, Josh, what, what do I have to do? I said, Jim, there's nothing you have to do. Jesus has done it for you. You simply need to trust, to have faith. He said, belief, just, just a belief, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is and put my faith in him. And I said, yes, that's absolutely it. He said, okay, I'll trust in Jesus. My wife had been praying for 28 years for a door to be opened for him to come to trust Jesus. And less than 24 hours after that moment, he passed away. Open doors are not something we can manipulate, that we can do on our own strength. Open doors are a work that God is doing that he allows us to join into. But we've got to be watching. We've got to be ready. So I have to ask you, who are you praying for? Are you ready to speak when that door is open? Are you ready to join God in what he's doing? The end of verse 3 says, so that we may speak forth the mystery of Christ for which I have also been imprisoned. Paul is in prison and he's more concerned about an open door for the gospel than he is an open door to get out of there. Paul is on mission with God through this. He's talking about this mystery. This isn't the first time we've seen this word show up. In fact, we saw it in chapter one. You remember we talked about it then. This mystery was something that was previously unknown, has been made known by God. The curtain's been pulled back. It's not anything that we could have investigated or found out on our own. God has chosen to reveal it to us. What's this mystery? This amazing truth that Jesus is God. And that his heart is for the whole world. It's this, all along, God's heart has been for the Gentiles too. That they too might experience this magnificent riches that we have in Christ. Paul longs to speak this. But what's it say in verse 4? He desires that he would speak it clearly. Right? That I may make clear the way that I ought to speak. Now, in Greek, as you look at chapters 3 and 4, it's one giant run-on sentence. So in the ESV, they try to break it up by uh, putting a dash into between verses uh, 3 and 4. In the NASB, you'll just see they load it up with semicolons. But there's this purpose clause to make something clear. Now, if you go through and work through it, you can see that ties to maybe three different possibilities through this verse. The first one would be, the purpose would be the clarity of the gospel, right? The reason that I am in chains is to proclaim this mystery clearly, to proclaim the gospel clearly. So clarity of the gospel. The other one could be that Paul is trying to gain clarity in how he presents the gospel, right? Pray that I would proclaim it clearly, the words I use. The third one would be that linking back to God, that God would open a door for it to be clear. If you follow the train of thought, I think that's what makes the most sense. God is the one who opens the door. God is the one who reveals it and makes it clear. But it's not without Paul and his words that God chooses to work through. So as Paul is thinking through what to say, he wants to join with God in it, and he wants to be thoughtful and clear. It reminds me that I need to think not just about what I'm saying, but how I'm saying it. He goes on to show there's other ways that bring clarity to the gospel as well in verse 5. He says, conduct yourselves with wisdom toward outsiders, making the most of the opportunity. Now, in this verse, there is a massive assumption 
that we are around outsiders. Isn't it? The outsiders simply meaning somebody that does not know Jesus. I grew up in a church that had a little bit more of a fortress mentality. There's a lot of rules, a lot of legalism. And the idea was like, we need to come into the church and huddle up and keep the world out. As we'd read through the King James Version, we'd get to a verse like 1 Thessalonians 5.22, and it, it would say, abstain from all appearance of evil. We think there's places we can't go, there's people we can't talk to, because we don't want to have an appearance of evil. A better translation would be found in the NASB, where it says, reject every form of evil. Not an appearance, every form. Don't join into the sin, but go to be with people that need Jesus. That's why John 1.14 says Jesus came. He became flesh, and he dwelt among us. He put on skin, and he moved into the neighborhood. Maybe at times we've forgotten that we once were outsiders, that Jesus came after us. In fact, Jesus goes on to speak in John chapter 17, verse 15 through 18. He says this, I do not ask you to take them out of the world, but keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. We are on mission in this world with a message. We have to be around people that don't know this Jesus in order to share this message. Now, I've found over the years as a church, we can do a lot of good stuff. But could it be that at times, all the good stuff we're doing keeps us from going out and taking this message? We can have basketball leagues in the church. We can have basket weaving leagues in the church. Baskets and Bibles, right? Come bring your Bible and we'll weave some baskets. But what if instead of doing them all here, what if we found a basketball league in the city? And we went and played what we love to play, but we did it with an intentionality watching and looking for a chance to share with someone that is outside the church this incredible message that we have. What if we took our hobbies and the things we love to do, and rather than clustering up together in the church, we went out and we did those with others to gain a relationship? What if, rather than my first intentionality being, I've got to go be with somebody in our church, what if I've got to go be around somebody that I long at some point would know Jesus and be a part of our church? What if the first step to that might not even be inviting them into this place, but instead inviting them into your home? getting into their world and letting them get into your world as they start to see you and see how you operate with Jesus. In fact, he said earlier in this, conduct yourself with wisdom. You know, uh, that means to walk in wisdom. Or the NIV says, be wise in the way you act. The way I live displays this truth that I found in Christ. Now, all through Colossians, we've, heard and learned about this super knowledge. Why are we learning all of this knowledge? So we can gain more, so we can be smarter, so we can answer other people with, uh, with wiser debates or different things like that. Colossians chapter 1, verses 9 and 10 says this, Be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord. Come to know Jesus. Why? So you can become like him. Why? So you can help others to do the same. When others see your life, 
in a dark and confused world, does it stand out? Does it shine a light? Does it show them there's something different that you've found in the way not only you talk, but in the way you walk, the way you live? Pastor Eric Simmons displayed this beautifully. He said, when a person who does not know Jesus scratches the surface of our life, and witnesses our actions, our motives, our decisions, as how, well as how we handle our money and our time and our energy, our pleasure, and most importantly of all, our sin. That person should be struck with how glorious Jesus is and how amazing the salvation is that he offers. He tells us to make the most of every opportunity Another translation would say, making best use of the time. Another would say, make the most of every opportunity. It literally means redeeming the time. Buying up every opportunity. Now, this verse first became real to me when I'd moved to Colorado and we were a part of it, starting a church. Because for the first time, I was outside of an established church. And when Sunday came, I could show up to a place And nobody else was going to show up. Because the church is people, not a place. And so I started thinking, how in the world is there ever going to be a church unless we start to go around people and they come to know Jesus and then they gather together? So it changed the intentionality of every day. What am I doing throughout the day that I could use and look for opportunities to be able to invest into people's life? to live out my life in Christ around them and hope for an opportunity to share the gospel. So much so that in our apartment complex, we would put the trash by the front door. If we heard a neighbor coming down, we'd kind of run to the door and open it up and pretend like we were taking the trash out. Hi, I'm Josh. Who are you? We, my, my wife would go to the grocery store, but she wouldn't just go to the grocery store. She'd be on mission now. I need to go get things, but I'm also looking at people that are around us. Things that we were doing with our kids started to become on mission. We're doing something with our kids, but we're also looking for opportunities. You know what's been one of the greatest challenges for me when we moved back to Lincoln? Every week, I can go throughout the week, not worry about any opportunities. And when I come to Sunday, I can show up in this room and thousands of people are going to show up. It makes me think, I don't need to look for opportunities. I don't need to live on mission. I can totally get the whole focus on me when I go to the grocery store, when I go in the gas station, rather than thinking about how God could be using those opportunities for opportunities to build a kingdom. So why in the world do we do this? I think most of the times we don't look for opportunities because we're just too busy. Most of the opportunities that God's going to bring along in your life are going to be interruptions. In church, most of us don't have any margin for interruptions, even if it's an interruption from God. I think we're too busy. I think another time, another reason that maybe we miss opportunities, we're too tired, we're too distracted, we're me-focused in the process. We're not looking for those opportunities. This hit me a couple months ago when I was going to one of my kids' sports games, and I showed up, and I was tired, sat down on the sideline, and I'm sitting there, I'm kind of thinking, I want to be quiet, I want to watch the game, I want to get up and sneak out. Totally thinking about Josh. Why? because I didn't have enough margin and I'm too tired. So I go through and there's opportunities all around me and I'm not taking advantage of any of them. Something's totally shifted, right? Third reason why I don't think we take advantage of opportunities, we're too scared. 
What if God actually does give me a chance to talk about Jesus? I don't know what I'm going to say. We're too scared. So we don't take advantage of the opportunities that God has there because we feel like it's all about us rather than his spirit working in and through us. As I was reading through this this week, uh, in fact, just two days ago, I was, I was getting my hair cut and I'm having to wait and I'm kind of reading through this again. I started realizing, man, I've got to continue to make those lists, look for those opportunities. And in that moment, while I'm sitting there waiting to get my hair cut, I thought, I'm going to pray that God would give me an opportunity while I'm cutting my hair right now. And then I can even share this opportunity on Sunday. So I go sit there. What are they going to do? They're sitting there. They've got to listen to you, right? But I just ask them questions. We're talking through. You know what? They didn't really pan out to any opportunities. But you know what I did? I started a new list. I got a name, some information about this person. And there's a change of perspective that's happened in my heart and my life. Now I can be praying for somebody. I can continue to be intentional with a haircut to try and look for opportunities. You know what was crazy, though? After that, my wife had called me and asked me to pick up some food from kind of this little mom-and-pop shop uh, that we've gone to before. We hadn't been there for a while. But several years ago, we went as a family, and we got to know one of the waiters through it, and uh, just a great experience. They were an international student that had moved here to Lincoln to study. We got to know all about them. We went next time and kind of developed that relationship more. And I realized as I was going to pick up this food that that person could be there. So I'm kind of pulling up my list, looking through names, because it's been a long time since I've prayed for that person. Sure enough, found it. Well, I walk in, I'm walking towards the register, and I see this guy, and his eyes light up, and I realize it's him. You know what he said? Hi, Josh. He remembered me. And I realized this is something that God could continue to cultivate and to, to build. We talked for a while, we got our food, I went home. I told our family about this. Talked about the fact that we need to start praying for this guy and being intentional. You know what one of my kids said? Yeah, Dad, and we should have him over here. I thought, you're absolutely right. That's what it means to be around outsiders. That's what it means to be watchful. That's what it means to take advantage of opportunities, knowing that God could use those opportunities to share the gospel, to build into somebody's life. He goes on to verse 6 and says, Let your speech always be with grace, as though seasoned with salt, So you will know how you should respond to each person. Your words reveal something about your heart. Talks about seasoned uh, speech. Now there's two forms of salt, right? There's salty speech and there's speech seasoned with salt. One is snarky and it's prideful and it's selfish. The other is humble and it's full of flavor. I wonder which one Paul's talking about here. Man. Christians in America in 2022, if we could realize the impact of our speech and the impact that it has in opening a door for for opportunities for conversation or shutting it down. Don't you wish sometimes you could have a mute button with certain people, right? Don't say that. Or with other people you could unmute. Please share the hope that you have. He's talking about always, not sometimes, but always letting the the words that we say be full of grace and seasoned with salt. I heard a story that a pastor shared about one of his friends that was having a campus Bible study. And as he walked in, he saw a bunch of gamers, he called them. They're wearing all black clothes, kind of goth looking, uh, black eyeliner and huddled around this game that they're all playing. And as he looked at them, he just said, hey guys, I've reserved this room for a Bible study. You're more than welcome to stay, uh, but I just want you to know we're going to start up in a little bit and I'll need the room. 
And one of the guys stands up from the table, turns around and looks at him and says, I'm going to eat your soul. Now, I don't know what you would respond with in that situation. I'm not making this up. But you know how that guy responded? Well, don't fill up on that. We got free uh, pizza afterwards. <laughs> and all of his friends reacted the exact same way you did. They laughed. He had a smile on his face. He was gracious. Every single person around that table stayed for the Bible study after. Church, let your speech be full of grace and seasoned with salt. Why? So you would know how to answer everyone. That gives a big, big assumption again that we're actually listening to the other person as well. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. Church, I wonder, are we taking advantage? This week is going to be filled with opportunities in the normal, everyday, mundane things of life to live out this truth we've revealed through Colossians and to share the hope that we have in Jesus. So I wonder, will you take advantage of it? Could be through school, person you're sitting by in that seat assignment. Could be through work, the person across the way in the cubicle. Could be through the grocery store and somebody you bump into, or could be at the gas station even. Remember there was a guy in our town that we lived at previously. He always had cheaper gas, so I'd always fill up there, and he owned the place and he worked the place, so it was always just him there. So I continued to go time after time to that same gas station. We talked for a while after. He was this Iranian guy that had lived in Australia and now in the U.S. Incredible story. I remember asking him at one point, how do you get your gas so cheap? It was cheaper than everywhere else. And he said, I put water in it. And I just kind of <laughs> laughed. But my car kept going, so I kept going there. <laughs> but I remember one day, I'm in the park with my kids. And all of a sudden, who do I see but Mike from the gas station walking with his kids? Because of the opportunities and the normal, everyday, mundane things and the setting, God opens a door for an opportunity there that I could have never tried to fabricate on my own, but it's just looking and watching and being ready to share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. So church, maybe for some of us in this room right now, it's, it's a prayer, God, give me a heart for the lost. Because if I'm honest right now, maybe they kind of annoy me. God, I want your heart for the lost. Maybe for some in this room, the prayer would be, God, bring someone across my path that I could share the hope that I found in you with. Or maybe God redirect my path to put me around people so I could get to know them, invest in their life, and look for an opportunity to share the hope. Maybe for some others this week, it's just an encouragement to continue praying and being watchful. And when that opportunity comes, being ready to speak the truth. Church, may we be a church that lives every day on mission with Christ. Jesus, thank you for the richness and the fullness that we have found in you. There is no one else like you. God, we don't want to keep this to ourselves and hide it. We want the world to know. So God, I pray that you would be evident through our words, through the way we walk, through our posture, all throughout the week that somebody would look at us and say, there's something different about that person. God, I pray that you would give us a conviction to be in constant conversation with you. 
Bring people to our hearts and our minds that we could be praying, longing that they would know you and have what we have in you. God, give us courage to share the hope that we found in you. Give us openness to allow ourselves to be the tool that you use as your spirit works through us and gives us words to say and talk with people about. God, we long to be a church that shines bright the hope we have. Even this morning, God, would you get us ready for the opportunities that we're going to see come across all week long. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.